Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Shane Ray Martin about employee mental health, difficult conversations, and leading with empathy. Shane Ray Martin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, it's a pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on a really sensitive and important topic and coming at it from a unique lens. So we'll get into that in just a moment. We're going to be focusing on employee mental health, holding difficult conversations, and leading with empathy. As we get started, I wanted to share Shane's bio with everybody. Shane is the head of sales at American Negotiation Institute, where he manages client relationships and develops strategic partnerships with various companies and organizations. After struggling to have difficult conversations, he began learning about negotiation and applying his new skills in an interesting and sensitive environment at the National Suicide Hotline. With negotiation certifications from Yale University and American Negotiation Institute, he's on a mission to be a positive generational shift by helping others discover their best lives are on the other side of difficult conversations. Shane loves to fly. Using his pilot license and unpredictable flight benefits, he has visited 42 countries. That is fantastic. I love to travel. Um, I wish I could say I've been to 42 countries. But uh, that's tremendous. And I applaud you, you know, for your work, working uh, with the National Suicide Hotline. I know you'll tell us a little bit more about that. And uh, I'm just excited to have a nice conversation with you today. Uh, before we really dive on in, anything else you would like to share by way of your personal background uh, or context for the listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll really highlight the unpredictable flight benefits piece. They are very unpredictable. I can't tell you how many times I've been stuck in an airport or had to sleep in a hotel where I didn't want to be. So traveling is great and it's fun to talk about, but there's also downsides too. And uh, that's what makes it special though. Yeah. And you know, I have a brother-in-law who's a pilot, so I've done the buddy pass thing. Um, and like you said, you just never know when you're going to sneak on a flight or when you get to hang out. Yep, exactly. And sometimes it's even first <laughs> class if you're lucky. That's right. That's right. Well, so Shane, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you got involved with the National Suicide Hotline? Because really, that's a unique kind of way to approach these difficult conversations that we have in the workplace. But I agree with you. I think there it, it provides a tremendous opportunity for us as we think about how to support and uh, uh, be there for our people. Absolutely. There are a few reasons why I got involved with the National Suicide Hotline. The number one and main reason why I got involved is because of a gentleman named Chris Boss, who is a notoriously famous FBI hostage negotiator because of the book that he wrote called Never Split the Difference. 
And in that book, he shares about his experience of how to improve his negotiation skills by volunteering in a very sensitive, but also great place to practice and help people essentially find themselves to be in a better place. So that's how I learned about the hotline. But ultimately what led me there is I was so bad at negotiating. I missed out on raises. I didn't negotiate my salary. And it's because I just didn't know what to do. And and I wasn't confident. And going through the hotline, their training was incredible. The team is the teams who do the training across the the country are incredible as well because they give you the tools to have these difficult conversations. And some are difficult, some are very easy, some are very, very intense where the police are involved, and then some are just want someone to talk to. And I think the same thing happens in work too. Some conversations with employees are very intense and some are just casual and there's an art to approaching each one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm in the HR space and uh, conflict resolution is part of that space and uh, dealing with employee mental and emotional health is part of that space. I just had a really difficult conversation with a colleague uh, who I work with um, this morning uh, who's dealing with a whole lot in his life. And, you know, on the one hand, there's like the operational piece, like the functional piece of like, how are we going to continue doing what we do and what, you know, have the performance that we need in, in that role. Um, that kind of stuff needs to happen uh, in these conversations, but there also just needs to be an opportunity for us to sit with the person and listen and show empathy and compassion and to be supportive. And, you know, at one point I just, I just said, Hey, you know, if, if, if you need to just, you know, sit down, we can just hang out and chat and, you know, we don't need to talk about work. We can just, I can, you know, be there for you so that you don't feel alone. Um, And sometimes that's what's most important. So I think as we, try to grapple with the complexities of and the messiness of just the human condition. (laughs) Uh, We all have our stuff. We all bring that stuff to the workplace, which impacts, of course, our team. It impacts our organization. It impacts our personal productivity. So there's the business case behind the importance of why we need to address this proactively. And then, of course, there's the human case. And we, we just need to be good to each other. We need to treat each other with dignity and respect. We need to be supportive and there for each other. If, if we want to have uh, sustainable relationships in the organization and have a sustainable organization overall. Absolutely. And until you build that rapport or until you show that you actually care, that is usually when in these difficult conversations, there's a shift. And so I'd love to share some practical ideas on how to ensure that people feel heard. That way you can ultimately influence them and also yourself in a positive way. There are so many different things you can do and a lot of different things that we try and also test with at the Suicide Hotline. Yes, absolutely. So tell us about some of the types of skills uh, from the Suicide Hotline that are applicable to leadership in the workplace and how you can approach those difficult conversations. Sure. I'll, I'll share an example of the suicide hotline in, in one of the most intense calls that I had and walk through three steps that we use there that can also be applied to maybe a difficult conversation with the coworker. Uh, specifically, maybe you need to um, let them go, or maybe you just have to have a conversation about performance, anything like that. So what happened was just a, a, a normal night at the hotline 
uh, you never know what's going to happen. It's very unpredictable. And there was a particular call with a woman, uh, we'll call her Sarah, and she called in. And the first thing that you do as a hotline caller is you build rapport. So I always share my name, say, hi, this is Shane from the Suicide Hotline. And I'm already giving something because I want them to give something as well. So we're already exchanging, we're already collaborating before we've even had a discussion about what's really going on. In a way, you can think of it as persuasion. Um, there's an author called, uh, his name's Dr. Robert Cialdini, who studies extensively on the art of persuasion, creating an environment that where ultimately someone can convince themselves that they're in a better place. And that book is called Persuasion. Highly recommend it. It's very interesting. Again, it's Dr. Robert Cialdini. So we start by building rapport instantly. And then the second thing that we really dive into after that is I asked Sarah, you know, what's really causing you the most trouble right now? Like, what's the one thing that's causing the most angst or anxiety or just bothering you the most? And because there's, we have, we've all got problems. I've got problems. Everyone's got problems, but what's the one? And so we really try to focus in on that. And so I asked her, you know, what's really going on? And she said, well, I just, I feel abandoned from my family. And so after that, after we really hone in on what's the specific issue, then what we talk about is labeling that emotion. So I responded with, it sounds like you feel abandoned. You could say something like, it feels like you're really stressed out by this. And they'll typically respond, if you do it correctly, they'll respond with, yeah, you're right. And once you do those three things of building rapport, figuring out what the real issue is, and then labeling their emotions, you're really, really set up to have a fruitful conversation that's really difficult. Yeah, and, and I want to point out, I'm sure you'll agree with me, but while you just laid out a process that I'm sure they train you on and that you try to implement on a regular basis, we're not talking about this stale formulaic approach to interacting with people. It's not robotic. And it ha- there has to be like a pure intention behind it, right? You're, you're not just going through a checklist to manipulate somebody to try to get them to, to get to where you want them to be. Um, that, that is a very different kind of a, a motivation. Uh, people can see through that a mile away and you, you tend to make things worse if that's your approach. So having, having, um, you know, a system that is proven and that works is great, but also recognizing that we need to be human and we need to be flexible and we need to approach the individuals we interact with in these difficult conversations with sincerity, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Always, always, always. One of the principles that we believe in is foregoing manipulation at American Negotiation Institute. And that's just the basics of being a great human, a, a, a human who believes that in fairness and in trust. And so I think um, that's not a thing that you decide one day and it's like that forever. It's something that you have to decide in every interaction with your employees that, hey, I am not manipulating this person. I'm just creating an environment where I want them to ultimately end up better. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's wonderful. I remember one again, in HR we we have processes, we have approaches. <laughs> Um, many of the things you're talking about, we also try to do when dealing with difficult situations in the workplace. Uh, and so much of what you're saying really resonates. And I am one for scaffolding and for preparation and for training and helping people to think through how to deal with those difficult situations. Otherwise, regardless of someone's best intention, it usually doesn't go well. <laughs> um, because, you know, if someone's in an emotionally volatile state or, or, uh, you know, just really suffering in some way or having a really hard time, you know, our good intentions don't really matter other than we need to come from a place of sincerity, but we also have to be effective in how we communicate with them. Right. And so I, I love what you're saying. And I'll, I'll just echo that from, from the internal organizational HR kind of a perspective, we absolutely need to have well-trained people um, who understand effective evidence-based processes um, and then as long as we also help them understand, like you said, we're not manipulating, we're, we're coming in and approaching people with sincerity, with empathy, uh, we're, we're coming with a real intention to support them and to just really listen and understand them. And when we, when we do that, when that's kind of the foundation of what we're trying to do, then it, it, it helps to smooth over perhaps some of our rough edges when we don't do things perfectly um, because people can, can uh, feel uh, of our genuineness, our, 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 our desire to help them. Oh yeah. I, I think people can really feel it and sense it and working in HR now more than ever is a very, very difficult job. And the reason why is because now more than ever difficult conversations are happening. And a lot of the, amazing people that we work with are for are forced to deal with situations where conflicts happening in the workplace and they don't they, they don't have a system they don't have a formula they're just doing their absolute best and that's great until it's not and it's too late and so that's why we're so passionate about equipping people to have confidence yeah. in conflict because we've been there ourselves we know what it's like to have maybe something inappropriate said in a meeting where someone feels um, uncomfortable. Um, and, and that happens every day. And it's mentally, it's, I've noticed just being at American negotiations, it's been kind of difficult too to take on and just hear all these stories. There's truly, truly a need for, there's truly, truly a need for essentially a way to communicate, especially in, in difficult situations. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about your training and practice at the hotline and, and what has helped you to have those difficult conversations with teammates at work. Well, as far as the hotline goes, one of the most important things to do if you're an HR or if you're volunteering at a hotline, regardless, is to have someone who you can share these stories with, someone who you can just talk it out with, whether it's a, a loved one or a friend that you trust. Um, having that partner, that accountability partner that you can call uh, when something really difficult happens, that's, that's an absolute win. Um, and it, it just feels better uh, to have that person as well. Yeah, I think having trusted individuals around us and having kind of our personal advisory board <laughs> that we can yep. lean on. Because um, to your point earlier, man, we we never know the craziness that we're going to face. Um, you know, things could be going perfectly normal. And then all of a sudden you show up to work one day and some horrible tragedy has happened or there's some crisis in the at work or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're scrambling and there's no way we can completely prepare for everything and we can't foresee the future, but we can be proactive and strategic and try to prepare for the future as best we can. Um, and then I think people tend to be fairly forgiving when, when they see that you're doing your best to, to be prepared for those, you know, difficult situations. Uh, and then you're willing to continue to learn and grow, even if you have a misstep here or there. And like you said, having, having that personal advisory board, having those people you can um, lean on that you can uh, get connected with when you just need to to run something by them and and see you know what how they would approach a challenging situation I think that is incredibly vital uh, that requires some intellectual humility on our part um, that we need to recognize that we don't know it all um, if I'm a leader in an organization that doesn't mean that I'm at the pinnacle you know if I'm if I'm an executive or a CEO that doesn't mean I have all the answers. That means I'm in a position to leverage the capabilities of my team, right? And to know their strengths and to lean on the expertise of my people, not to try to claim all the expertise myself. If we do that, that's a recipe for disaster. Right. And it's more collaborative as well, involving other people, being an ally. And if someone hasn't maybe spoken for nine or 10 minutes in a meeting, asking very briefly, like, what's your opinion on this? Or what do you find helpful about this or what would you contribute or how would you change this? These are all just very powerful phrases that are just four words that can get buy-in because in these, in these tough situations, uh, you can't predict everything that's going to happen, but you can certainly prepare for a lot. And practically that means knowing what type of questions, how and what questions specifically you can write down prior to the meeting that you want to ask. Um, also, another thing you can do is simply just write out your goal of what you want to accomplish in the meeting and just briefly mention it. Hey team, this is what I had in mind as just our North star for our meeting today, accomplish boom, boom, boom. And now that you have set a goal, you're including everyone in the conversation. That's a really high performing team. That's a team that I want to be on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and in contrast, uh, you know, dictatorial teams where you, you have the boss that just tries to, uh, give marching orders and tell everyone what to do all the time. Those are the teams I don't want to be on. And those are the teams where you're not, you don't have the autonomy and the flexibility to innovate and be creative and leverage your own expertise. So that's, that's not a win-win I think for anybody when, when we fall into that trap. Um, let's, let's spend the rest of our time now talking about mental health. 
Um, it's of course it's important in the workplace. We know employee burnout is a is a real thing. We know, especially over this past year with the pandemic, um, rates of mental health uh, challenges have gone up. Uh, people are struggling just because it's it's such a unique and uncertain time with all sorts of corresponding challenges. How does good mental health play into being a good leader for others? So I, as a leader, need to have and, and, and uh, be mindful of my own mental health and be proactive in trying to maintain it. Um, and then how does that then, how do I do that? And then how does that help me support my people so they can have uh, more sustainable, positive mental health? Number one tip, taking care of yourself. Because until, until you take care of yourself, how can, how can we ever expect to take care of others exceptionally well? If we want to provide an exceptional service, then we have to make sure that we're doing the right things for us personally. And I think that for each person that looks a little bit different from, for me, it looks like making sure I'm moving my body in the morning, whether it's a walk, jog, or a hike, or going to the gym or reading, whichever it is, meditating. There's so many different, there's a lot of ways to answer this question. So it's really tough, but ultimately it's going to be different, I think, for each person. So a a specific blueprint and just the biggest, biggest, biggest tip is to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And we are always talking about that at A&I. And the metaphor we love to use is when you're on the airplane and something's happening and the mask drop down, they always instruct you to put your own mask on first before maybe helping someone else, because that way you, you have to breathe in order to help someone else. It's the same thing here. Yeah. And it just, so to your point, it's, this is going to be unique for everybody. Um, I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner. I'll, I like running if I'm playing a sport. So I'll, I'll run all day long if I'm playing soccer or basketball, but the idea of just like running around a track or running, you know, uh, on a trail is not appealing to me, but you know, I like working out. I like walking my dogs. I do like sports. So I like being active. Um, so I know that about myself. If I'm, if I all of a sudden wake up and say, I'm going to run three miles, five miles every day, it's not going to happen. Um, but I know myself, I know my preferences. I know what I really enjoy. And so I start to build out my self-care plan, my personal self-care plan around those things. I really enjoy music. And so my like listening to music, but also singing and performing music. So, and, and playing the guitar and such. So I know part of my self-care plan is I need to devote some amount of time on a regular basis to be able to scratch that creative itch. And that it's a, it's a mindfulness practice. It's, it, it gets me back to the moment. Like that's not for everybody. Uh, Some people are tone deaf. They, they, you know, don't care about singing or playing a musical instrument, that's totally fine, right? Some people are, are into prayer. Some people are into meditation or yoga. Some, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we focus, we self-reflect, we focus on what's going to be helpful for us, maybe even uh, experiment a little bit on what resonates most with us. And then we start to build that in slowly into our lives on a day-to-day basis not trying to tackle too much um, because we know, you know, if if you have five goals, you know, for your new year's resolution, chances are you're not going to do all five, but maybe focus on one thing or maybe two things at the most focus on those, integrate them into your life and make it a habit. And then maybe you can start to think about other things. Um, But that is so important to just maintaining a robust, positive mental health, um, and, a and, a an abundance mindset in a leader. And when we do that, it models, uh, a positive way 
of living and of, of health for your people. If you're a hot mess, your people aren't going to be listening to you when you're going to try to help and support them. And frankly, you're not going to know how to support them. Right. Um, and so help your, you know, practice self-care then of course, be mindful about your people, um, be empathetic, show compassion, treat them with dignity and respect and support them to also try to, to have those healthy habits. Mm-hmm. Self-care, self-care is so, so important. And I'll, and I'll also say it's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's okay to have off days as long as you're committed to yourself to find a way to bounce back. And I think if anything's happened during COVID, people have learned how timeless and how fragile life really is. And so because of that, approaching even difficult conversations or things that you've been pushing under the rug, if you're listening still to this right now to this podcast, this is your sign to go have that difficult conversation because the freedom that you'll experience on the other side is absolutely worth it. And it's okay to feel right now like you're avoiding it, but I assure you it's going to be much, much better if you make it happen. Yeah. Thank you. That is excellent. Well, Shane, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, The time has flown by, but before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I would love to hear from anyone who listen to today's show specifically if you are interested in learning about conflict resolution workshops and also how to have difficult conversations about race in the workplace. At American Negotiation Institute, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations in the workplace, but it's really hard and it's really challenging. And so if that's interesting to you, uh, we'd love to help you and have a conversation about it. It's uh, been a pleasure. It's been an honor being on the show today, John. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And to sum it all up, I, I have to go back uh, to what we were talking about a moment ago and say that um, it's okay to not be okay, but do know that the best is always yet to come for you. And I hope that, um, that the listeners really take that, take that to heart today and uh, a pleasure meeting you. Wonderful. Thank you, Shane. It has been a pleasure. I really appreciate all of your insights. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, to find out more about what Shane can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly 
LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.